If you wish to go, the rest of you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 for our scripture reading today. If you're new to Living Hope, and by the way, welcome back college students. Man, how many college students here today? Yes, awesome. Great to have you guys. We have been awaiting your return. So good to have you. And uh, so we're in a series right now just for the month of August on what is the true church? What is the church to be? How important is the church? You know, in our Western culture today, we're all about individualism. And tragically, that has become like a germ that has infested even the church, where it's all about me. What, what, me, me, me. And there is no doubt an individual aspect of Christianity. God allows us to have a personal relationship with Him by faith in Jesus Christ. But there's also the corporate aspect. And so you'll hear that a lot in our points today, that there's the vertical and there's the horizontal. There's the vertical aspect on every one of these points, but then there's the, the horizontal aspect, the corporateness of Christianity. That when you get saved, you come into a personal relationship with Christ. And at the moment you're saved, you're placed into the body of Christ. And so today, and as in this month, we're looking at what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be the corporate aspect of Christianity? And we're learning what those ingredients are. So Acts chapter 2, I'm reading out of the ESV, verse 41. By the way, if you ever need a Bible, there's a bunch of New Testaments right back there. You can go grab one. Acts 2.41, for those who received his word were baptized. They were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. God, this is your word. We respect and honor it. It is your inspired, inerrant, infallible, eternal word. And now as we come with humble, teachable hearts, we invite the Spirit of the living God to move and speak, to transform us. God, I pray for transformation in this house today. Those watching online, supernatural transformation by the power of your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, you want to take out your notes. They're also available on the app, by the way, so you can get the points. And so we're looking at these ingredients in a true church. And let's review quickly what we learned last week, and then we'll cover three additional points today. Number one, the true church embraces the gospel of Jesus Christ. In verse 41, it says, those who received his word or his message. What was that message? It was the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. That Jesus came because God so loved the world that he became a man in Jesus. Jesus lived, he performed miracles, he taught truth, he loved people, he suffered a cruel death, he was flogged, beaten, crucified, nailed to a tree. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead, victorious over sin, death, and Satan. Hallelujah. And he ascended unto heaven. And that gospel is a gospel that transforms your life. That gospel is a gospel that allows you and me to be born again by the Spirit of the living God. And it's an awesome gospel. Yesterday, we had the funeral of John Deans. John Deans was a man who allowed the gospel to come into his heart his freshman year of college. And at the moment he was saved, he was so captured by the gospel of Jesus Christ that he has been ministering and sharing his faith ever since. I don't know other than maybe Lee DeLoach, Roby. Lee DeLoach and John Deans have led more people to Jesus than any person I have known. And they have both gone to heaven in the last three months. I've been frustrated with the Lord. Can I be honest? I've had to go before the Lord and say, God, I know you're in control. However, <laughs> we needed them here. And I said at the funeral yesterday for John, and I think it's the same for Lee, Roby. I said, the only reason that I've come up with so far, not that I'm going to have the reason, and God's going to keep it probably a mystery till we get to heaven, some of these things that happen that we struggle with. And God can allow us to be struggling. And aren't you glad that God allows us to struggle? Aren't you glad that God allows us to be transparent and honest? I mean, you see that in the Psalms all the time. 
complaining at God and just frustrating, getting it all out there, but at the end of the day, surrendering because He's sovereign and we're not. He's God and we're not. But the only thing I've come up with is that, it's, that God has taken them, what I feel is premature, <laughs> is that it's, take, it's going to take longer in heaven for all those people to come up to Him and thank Him for leading them to Christ. And so the line is just so long that they need more time. But the powerful thing about John Deans and the ministry that he started called the Great Exchange, and it's an awesome name, and it comes out of 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Here's the exchange. Jesus exchanged his righteousness for our sin that we might exchange our sin for his righteousness. It's a divine exchange. It's a supernatural exchange. It is such wonderful news. It is the best news ever that you, by simple repentance of your sin, putting your faith in Christ alone, not by works, but by faith alone, you can literally, in a moment in time, be born again by the living God. He takes your sin nature, and it is dead at that moment. You get a new nature. You get the Holy Spirit. You get the righteousness of Jesus. The Bible says in a moment, you are born again, redeemed, reconciled to God, and you have eternal life. That is the greatest deal on the planet have you received it have you made that transaction in your life has there been a time in your life when you've received Christ embraced the gospel and been born again if not today can be that day and that is the message they proclaim then that is the message that's been proclaimed for 2,000 years that is the message we proclaim from this pulpit and by the grace of God that is the message that will be proclaimed until Jesus Christ returns now, there's another transaction that occurs due to the born-again experience. And it was my privilege yesterday when we were at the graveside. And John Dean's body was laid in that earth. And I love to use this illustration at a graveside service. I said, this glove represents John Dean's body. My hand represents our spirit, his spirit. While he was on earth, his spirit was in his body. And I love it. I'll tell you what, if you have an open casket for my funeral, you better put a sign on that casket that says, David Holt ain't here anymore. This is just the body he lived in. I don't want people walking around going, don't he look good? Don't he look good? Well, that ain't him. He's with the Lord now. And in Philippians, Paul said, the moment we die on earth, it says, absent from the body at home with the Lord. And I said, I know it's hard to see that body lowered into the ground right now, but that's not the true John Deans. The true John Deans is with Jesus in glory. We can take this body and we can Throw it in the earth into dust to dust, ashes to ashes. That's not the true John Deans. Because another supernatural transaction, great exchange occurs when you die. And that is you go from mortal to immortality. Your spirit will dwell with Jesus forever. That is a great news, you guys. That is the gospel that we embrace. And a true church never loses sight of the glory of the gospel. Never loses sight of the glory of the gospel. And we call it the bullseye of Christianity is Jesus and his resurrection and the gospel. There's all these other things that we can do and get involved in. That's great and fine and dandy. But the bullseye of Christianity is Jesus and his death and resurrection and the gospel of salvation in him. Amen? Now, secondly, and those that are following the Lord in obedience this morning, there will be two at least. Others of you may want to come forward. You can begin to make your way to the baptismal now. But the second ingredient of a true church, is they celebrate baptism. So Lily and Diane, go ahead and come up, and we're going to do two baptisms right now, and if there's others today that want to follow in obedience, you come forward as well. Last week, we had, and we got a new term around here, it's called plain clothes baptisms. Somebody that doesn't come prepared for a baptism, they may not have dressed appropriately, but they say, I need to be obedient, and obedience is more important than convenience. And so we will welcome anybody, anytime, anywhere, anyhow, that wish to follow the Lord in, in baptism. Uh, and it's exciting because baptism is that act of obedience. Listen, the first act of obedience that you see in the book of Acts is baptism. So Lily, go ahead and get in if you would. This is Lily McClure. Her dad, Matt, is going to do the baptism. No? You're not? Okay, all right, I got it. And by the way, those who get baptized get that towel and keep it. All right, um, I'll just hand the mic to you when I, when I do her. Lily, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior?
Yes. And do you pledge to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Amen. You want to share anything else? It's okay if you don't. All right. <laughs> Lily, it gives me great joy to baptize you, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing you in the likeness of his death, burial, and resurrection. Look at your church family rejoicing with you. Amen. You know, uh, y'all can be seated as, as Diane comes. Uh, one thing that somebody, one of the women last week that, that uh, did the plain clothes baptisms, she said, Pastor David, come on up, Diane. She said, and I'm not going to tell you the area of her life, but, well, I can because you don't know who I'm talking about. She said, there was a kind of a, what did she call it? I think a rebellion no, no, um, stubbornness, that was it. She says, there was a spirit, and I don't know if it was necessarily demonic, I'm not going to go that far, but there was a spirit of stubbornness in my life that I know has been now broken. Doesn't mean she'll never struggle with that, but it was like a, kind of like a grip in her life, and she's noticed a huge difference since last week in that area. Come on, let's get in, Diane, you ready? Oh, that's right. We're going to do yours different. I apologize. Sorry. No, no, no. You're good. I, I forgot. So for, for, for various physical reasons, Diane is not able to do an immersion. So thank you for reminding me. I apologize. We talked about this last week, and I totally forgot. So this is um, the, what I love about this is because the mode of baptism is not as important as doing it. And there are some cases when a person cannot do a full immersion. The brother that was in the wheelchair about two months ago, and we did him just like I'm going to do Diane, and so this is cool. You guys come around, support her, let's just gather around. Diane has been in our, uh, was in our Transformational Discipleship, Module 1, and uh, it's been cool to see your growth. So Diane, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you commit to following him all the days of your life? Yes. Amen. Diane, it's my joy. Y'all want to do this together? Rita, y'all can get in here. Come on. We're going to all do this. Put this, hold on. I'll let you. Let's put that right on you. Diane, we baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's rejoice, church. Amen. So proud of you. So proud of you, girl. Amen. So, Father, we just pray now for Diane and for Lily. We just rejoice in their obedience. Father, we just pray your blessing now. We pray the power and the presence and just the supernatural increase of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Lord, would you just come upon them, bless their obedience. We're excited to see your manifest presence in this place. And so I just uh, we pray for them now, for the release of your Spirit upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. You, you haven't been baptized? Wow. All right, come on. Yeah, amen. Man, I love it. Wow, Heather just feels a leading to kind of rededicate her life. Brandon, you here, brother? Can you come on up? Mm. 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 Hold on, stay there, get in. So the Spirit of God's doing something right now. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know Tether and I know her heart. And I trust that let her share whatever she wants. Mm. Anything in particular that... Uh-huh. Okay. Um, just like this song was making God the center of it all. And that hasn't been 100% with me. Mm. 
So I'm just being obedient because when you guys did the spontaneous baptisms last week, God said, don't feel bad. It's okay. You can do it. You'll be able to do it next weekend. And I had no idea you were going to do it. So anyways, I even told Bethany, Mm. I wish you did it again. Mm. (laughs) Anyways, amen. just being obedient. Amen. I love it. It's okay if Brandon does it. It's okay. All right. See you. So have you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Amen, yes. Can you commit to following him all the days of your life? Yes, sir. Amen. So in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptize you. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's rejoice, church. Wow. Mm. Amen. Holy Spirit, we just pray you'd fall on Heather in a powerful way. Bless her obedience in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? All right. Well, if you need to be, you come see me after the sermon. We'll uh, open it back up at the end. How about that? Amen. All right, number three. The true church is devoted to the Word of God. It's devoted to the Word of God. It says they followed the apostles' teaching. That was the Word. That's what we now know of as the Word. And again, this is what's so cool about Christianity, is you and I need to be in the Word. That's the vertical, okay? You and I need to be in the Word every day. You know one of the things that was shared yesterday at John Dean's funeral that was really powerful? His son, Chris Deans, shared a statement on behalf of all of the children. So all of his siblings. And one of the things that was said was, we remember every day dad gets up, tells mom he loves her, and goes and says, now I go to have my time with God. And it was usually an hour a day. Hour a day in the word and prayer. So you and I, we have to be in the word to grow. This is where we get truth. This is where we replace lies. This is where we have sound doctrine. And so that's true for this, me and God. But then what are we doing now? We're hearing the word preached. We come together around the Word of God. Our small groups around the Word of God. Our home groups that we're starting soon are going to be about the Word of God and sharing together. Most of them will simply discuss the sermon from Sunday so that we dig. And there's something powerful. Listen, this is what's cool. There's there's this powerful dynamic between us and God individually. But then when you come together with others, there's another powerful component. When you hear others sharing what they're getting out of the Word, And you're digging in together. There's a power in that. So we're devoted to the Word individually and corporately. Are you committed to the Word? What place does God's Word have in your life? Are you following God's Word? Are you obeying God's Word? Are you letting the Word of God transform your life? I'm telling you, there is power in the Word. Power in the Word. Number four engages in relational connection. It says in verse 42, the fellowship. And this is that component where we exchange and we interact with one another. Why? Because when you're born again, you're born into a new family. You're immediately brought into a new family, the family of God. And I just read a book this week, and I have extra copies in my office if anybody wants one. It's called Rediscovering Church. And one of the points he makes, he uses this interesting term called corporate repentance. We know individual repentance for reconciliation with God and justification. But he talks about this. He says, we need to repent of unattached autonomous individualism to become actively connected to others in Christ's body. Did you hear that? And some of you, maybe this applies to you, especially if you're more introverted. And, I, and that's more, this is more of a challenge for you. You you repent of unattached autonomous individualism. You know, it's just about me, it's me, 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 me. And again, this is where I think Western culture has, has infected germs into Christianity. We need to become actively connected to others in Christ's body. And so this is that point at which we are a family, we are to be relationally connected. And again, this is why I'm excited about our home groups. 
because this gives you an opportunity to connect with others in a way that you just can't do on a Sunday morning. We have a little relational connection here, but we're limited. We're just limited by size and all that, all that comes with this. But in a home group, there can be relational connection at a whole different level. Notice in verse 2 when it says they gathered in the temple and house to house. That's key. They gathered in the temple. That's more of the large gathering like we have today. And house to house. Are you meeting from house to house in some way? I challenge you. Number five, partakes of the Lord's Supper. We talked about that last week. Again, we want our home groups to do communion. We believe that communion should be a a powerful experience, not just once a month when we do it, the first Sunday of the month here and when we gather, but in our home groups, individually. I do this almost every day in my personal time with the Lord. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 11 says that when you partake of the bread and the juice, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Anything that helps us focus on the gospel, we ought to do. Martin Luther said, preach the gospel to yourself every day. And one of the ways you can preach the gospel to yourself is take communion. Reminding you that this is the body of Christ broken for you. He suffered. He died. He bled for me. And now I drink the juice. And I'm reminded that by the blood of Jesus I'm forgiven. And the blood of Jesus conquers sin and death. And thank you for my salvation, God. And it's a good time just to reflect. God, thank you that you give me the righteousness of Christ. Communion's a powerful thing. And it says here that they broke bread. And that's a reference to communion. Now, the three new ingredients that I want to cover today. Number one. Or number six, the true church prays. It says they devoted themselves to the prayers. Beloved, prayer is one of the greatest privileges in the world. Is it easy to do? No. (laughs) Do we struggle at times when we feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceilings? Yes. Are there times we don't fully understand why prayers take a long time to be answered? Of course. But what we do know, those things we struggle with, those things are normal. But what we do know is prayer is an amazing privilege. Think about it for a minute. It's talking to God. It's listening to God. It's communion with God. In prayer, you can claim His promises. In prayer, you can thank Him and praise Him and make your requests known to Him. In prayer, you can bind the forces of darkness, unleash the presence of God. Yes, there's many unanswered aspects of prayer. Yes, there's many mysteries of prayer. Yes, there's areas we struggle with in prayer. But don't doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light. And we know in the light these things. James 4 says, we have not because we ask not. John 15 says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you will. James 5 says, if you're sick, you come to the elders, you pray, you anoint with oil, and you pray for healing. Jeremiah 33 says, call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. We see the model of Jesus when he would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. We see the model prayer by Jesus when he said, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Prayer is talked about so much. 1 Thessalonians 5 says pray without ceasing. 24-7, 365, you and I have access, if you have Christ in your life, to communion with God. What a great privilege. Again, though, it's not just this. It's this. So it's no surprise that when Jesus told his disciples to wait For the Holy Spirit to come, what were they doing? What did they go and do when he said, wait, and he ascended to heaven? And they didn't know exactly what was going to happen. He says, wait, Holy Spirit's coming. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. What's all that mean? I don't know. Let's just go and do what? Pray. Chapter 1, verse 14. Look in your Bibles. Chapter 1, verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to what? Prayer. So it's no surprise that when Jesus ascended and he promises the Holy Spirit's going to come, what did they do? They prayed. They gathered for corporate prayer. It's no surprise that we go to Acts chapter 3, verse 1, and what do we see? Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple. So earlier, remember in Acts 2, we see the temple. Well, temple was about worship and about hearing the preaching of the word. But here we see there's something else about the temple. It says, at the hour of what? Prayer. They had a set time and place for prayer, like we've done this this summer on Wednesday nights, like we do Thursdays at noon in the house of prayer. The Secondis come almost every Saturday and spend hours in the house of prayer. Anybody can join them. So this is corporate prayer. 
This is that, you know, the good old-fashioned prayer meeting. <laughs> Remember when churches used to have Sunday night prayer meeting? It's, it's a time and a place when they pray together. Then look at what happened in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, when they prayed. And when they had prayed, Acts 4, 31, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. So what did that corporate prayer bring? The presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So prayer is a powerful thing. How committed are you to prayer? Do you pray with others? We want these home groups to be places where there's corporate prayer. Powerful prayer. There's something unique about praying with others. It brings the presence of God. There's that two or more in agreement thing. And I love it when you're praying with some people and one person prays one thing and it kind of sparks something in you to then launch in another direction and so forth and so on. It's just powerful. And so we're excited to see the prayer that's going to happen in these home groups. Now, flowing out of number six, because I believe seven happened because six occurred, number seven is this, the true church experiences the power of God. Now, hold on, buckle your seatbelts. Some of you, this is going to shatter and challenge your theology, that's okay. I don't know where you've come from, what kind of background you're from, but let's stick to the Word of God, okay? Let's look carefully at verse 43. Acts 2, 43, what does it say? Look carefully. All, a sense of all, that's wonder and mystery and like, whoa, this is powerful. Came upon every soul, many wonders and signs. A wonder is something that makes you wonder and a sign points you to something. Jesus, hello. We're being done through the apostles. Now, this, is, this includes but is not limited to things such as Healings, physical healings. We had a testimony in first service about a physical healing. Deliverances. Demonic spirits coming out of people. That's biblical and it still happens today. Visions, dreams, prophetic words, supernatural provision, miracles, other things. Just a strong sense of God's presence. Does God still do that? Have such miracles ceased? There's a doctrine in some branches of Christianity, thankfully it's on the decline, because it's so unbiblical and has no historical backing, called cessationism. Cessationism is the belief that certain gifts, signs, wonders, miracles, tongues, prophecy, healings, have ceased. They don't happen anymore. They happened in this period of time because it was kind of needed to to spark the church, but now that we have the Bible, we don't need those things. <laughs> First of all, there is no biblical support for that. The only verse that people use is the one out of 1 Corinthians 13, which says, when the perfect comes, the partial will cease. And it's referring to tongues and other things. Well, what's the perfect? Well, that's defined in 1 Corinthians 13, when Christ returns. <laughs> so when Christ returns, yes, they'll cease, because we won't need them anymore. We have Jesus. But shy of that, they have not ceased, so there's no biblical support. Furthermore, we know from the book of Acts that these miracles occurred not only through the apostles, but through non-apostles. We see it in other verses in the New Testament. Then, and this is important, listen carefully, there's biblical theology and there's historical theology. Biblical theology is what does the Bible teach about a certain topic from Genesis to Revelation. Historical theology is what has happened since the New Testament was written in church history. What has happened and what has been believed, that's historical theology. And in historical theology, I can give you quote after quote from guys like Justin Martyr, 2nd century, St. Augustine, 4th century, about how miracles, healings, deliverances, prophetic words, visions, dreams, and other things have continued through church history. I'm so glad, are you not, that God is not changed. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. I'm so glad that he's still omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, that he still does miracles. And we've seen it here. We've seen miracles here. We've seen healings. We've seen demons cast out of people. We've had prophetic words. People are having visions and dreams. Now, do we focus on that and make that the main thing? No. 
Jesus is the main thing. The gospel is the main thing. Being discipled and growing into character and the likeness of Jesus, that's the main thing. In addition to the main thing, this other stuff happens. <laughs> and we welcome it, and we will always shepherd it here. When it occurs, we'll measure it through Scripture. We'll shepherd the person to ensure that there's lasting fruit. Now, in 2019, we had a prophetic word given by somebody on our prophetic team that I really believe is of the Lord. And it was kind of recently brought to our attention as a leadership to the point where we actually prayed into this one Wednesday night recently. We did what we call contending prayer, contending for promises, contending for things that we believe God has spoken that have yet to be fulfilled, but they're starting to be fulfilled. And so I'm going to share this with you, and I just encourage you. And man, as I read this, I get fired up um, because I really believe this is a word for our church. Again, we don't put it at the same par as Scripture, um, but we do believe it was, it's, it's a word that's been given to our church, and, and we want to pray into it. Here it is. Living Hope is a group of highly motivated, spirit-filled believers who want to have an impact for God in the areas we have been given to ministry in. We have a vision of people being affected by the Holy Spirit and His gifts through people who are able to hear God clearly. Now, that's a key point, hearing God clearly. When people hear the Lord clearly, they move with bold confidence and assurance and press in with great faith to do the impossible. As people experience growth in their faith, they will see people being healed, marriages being saved, financial and legal problems disappear because the Holy Spirit is free to move. They will be seen as men and women of God, and people will begin to flock to living hope, not because we have good programs and good preaching, but because the power of the living God is being exhibited in people who are fearless and stepping out into what God has called them to be. Salvations will occur. Healings of impossible nature will happen, including cancer, heart conditions, eye problems, and broken bones being repaired and replaced. This is going to happen. Underline is. It will happen because Jesus is who he says he is, and we are who he says we are, and we can do what he says we can do. Did you catch that? I'm going to repeat that. It will happen because Jesus is who he says he is, we are who he says we are, and we can do what he says we can do. We are sent into the world as he was to destroy the works of the devil. The true church experiences the power of God. Jesus is the name above every name. God is bigger than physical problems, emotional problems, spiritual problems. He is bigger. He is able to transform. He is able to heal. He is able to deliver. Praise God we serve a God who is bigger than any problem, struggle, sin, or temptation that you and I face. And He's come to set the captives free. And we are seeing lives change. It is exciting. But the best is yet to come. Best is yet to come. All right, final point today, number eight. The true church is radically generous. Now we come to a passage that just rattles you in every direction. Talk about make you uncomfortable. Whew, verse 44 and 45. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now listen, this is not a verse to support communism. This is not a verse that would, that would suggest that nobody had any possessions of their own. Again, you take Scripture as a whole. Later in Acts, you see people, it says they, re, they met in someone's home, so they still had individual ownership. But what is happening here is that the power of the gospel is coming in, and all of a sudden people are realizing, wait a minute, not only am, am I not my own anymore, not only am I not my own, Christ owns me, not only is it not just about me, it's about a new family that I'm born again into. That's the relational part. But now, look at the power of the gospel to show the person that, guess what? These aren't my possessions. It's not my house. It's not my car. It's not my retirement account. It's not my boat. It's not my whatever. It's his. I'm a steward. 
Love that word. We talk about stewardship. A steward is a manager. I'm simply to manage what belongs to him. And if he says, give that car away, then Lord, yes. You see, you can't say no, Lord. (laughs) Hello. You can't say no, Lord. If he's Lord, you don't say no because he's in control. The only answer to Lord is yes. Because you own it, God. It's yours. And I'm telling you, there's such freedom with this. There's incredible freedom knowing that he's my provider. Thank you, Lord, that you've blessed me with this, this, and this, but it's yours. And if you say sell it, I will. If you say give it away, I will. And so tithing, for example, is just one. I love the way Randy Alcorn says, tithing is the floor, not the ceiling of good giving. It's the starting point. It's not the end point. <laughs> it's the floor. It's the starting place. Ten, first 10%? God, you've already said I'm to do that. To return to you the first 10%. And so that's called tithing. You begin there, but you don't end there. You don't say, oh, I've tithed now. I don't need to give anymore. No, you say, I'm going to start there because God's made that abundantly clear. That's, the, that's what I'm to do because he's Lord of my finances. So the first 10%, that goes to you, Lord. Now, the other 90, that's not mine either. <laughs> it's not like 10% belongs to God and the 90 belongs to you. It all belongs to him. So I start with the 10 and then the 90, well, what do we do with that, Lord? What do we do with that? Let's, let's just obey him. And so you see this radical generosity. I mean, you didn't see that before Christ resurrected. What do you see the disciples doing? They're bickering over who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be in control. And now, because the Holy Spirit's come in and transformed them, their whole outlook on everything has changed. This is called discipleship. So I want to give you three real quick reasons why I believe they were so generous. Number one is the gospel transformation. I already covered that. The power of the gospel had come in. They're seeing everything different. Number two, just genuine love. They had a genuine love for other people. They're like, now, this is my sister in Christ. This is my brother in Christ. You have a need? Well, let me see what I could do to help meet that need. And again, I'm going to go back to our home groups. This is where our home groups are going to be the ideal place for radical generosity to happen. Brooks Lamont's in a home group, and he's told me numerous stories of how there have been physical needs in his home group, and the home group has met those needs. Because we say to people, hey, remember, we have a benevolent fund. Part of our tithing money as a church is, goes into this fund, and it's to help people who have needs and are in a, in a difficult financial situation. If we can help, we will. That's part of our job as a church. But how cool if it's met in these home groups and never even has to come to the benevolent fund. Because these people are going, you know what? You have a need. I love you. You're my brother and sister in Christ. Let me see if we could help. Now, listen, and we'll get into this more later. But because the early church had become so generous a problem arose. And it's addressed in Thessalonians. People started to take advantage of generosity. Ah, I'm going to sit on my duff, do nothing, and expect the church to take care of me. And Paul said, no, 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 no. There's a limit here. If a man doesn't work, let him not eat. So they had a problem then, just like happens today. You start getting radically generous. Everybody and their mother and grandmother and sister and aunt will start coming to you and looking for a handout. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about generosity that enables a person to be irresponsible. But when a true need arises, a person's in a pinch, difficult times, the body comes around each other. And finally, the reason they were so generous is they had an eternal perspective. They realized that, man, what we have here on earth is so temporal. It's going to all burn anyway. I don't want to take much. I don't want to leave much behind. John Wesley, he said, if I leave this earth with just a, more than a few pennies in my hand, I'll, be, I'll consider myself a robber of God. Now, I'm not there. I'm not even close to that. <laughs> Again, you balance that with Proverbs. A godly man leaves an inheritance to his children and his grandchildren. So you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know? And so you've got to balance all this. You take all of Scripture. And each person has to be led by the Holy Spirit. Just because one person is led to do one thing in terms of generosity doesn't mean that that's for everybody. But look at this passage in Hebrews 10, and then we'll take a few questions. So those that are working the mic, get ready. You sympathize with those in prison and joyfully accept accept the confiscation of your property. Whoa. Because you knew that you had, yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So these people were having some of their property confiscated. They were being persecuted for their faith. And they could actually do that with joy. 
because they realize, I got better and lasting possessions. I got a home in heaven. Hallelujah. All right, let's review what we've learned. We've seen these eight characteristics of a true church. And so based upon these points, if you have a question, or if you have just a real brief testimony of how you've experienced this, Dustin, I bet, I know you're man in the mic, but you're welcome to share if you want, just real brief, uh, because I know you've been in a small group and you've seen a lot of this lived out, so feel free to pick one of those. But if you have a question or just a real encouraging, very brief testimony, raise your hand, and we'll bring a mic to you. And apologize online today, we don't have a number to text a question to, so it's going to have to just be those in the house. All right, so raise your hand. They'll bring a mic to you. David, if you can take this side, maybe. Questions or brief testimony? Hand right here. Okay, I... Uh, Hold it close. Some of you know that I've been going through a real trial and test with my granddaughter. Well, there's some tentacles to it that have reached the core of my being. It has really been a hard road. However... I was complaining to the Lord about some things. I thought, why me at my age, blah, blah, blah. So recently, a member of this church. Hold it really close. And, and this, this is a testimony as far as the church is concerned. A sister in Christ, a member of this family of God, prayed for me. And in that prayer, she said this. And I knew this, but she said it at a point when I really needed it. She said, when we make Jesus Lord of our lives and give him lordship, we give up our rights. Wow. It spoke to me so deeply. Yeah. So I repented <laughs> of mm -hmm. my complaining and murmuring. And the Lord started telling me things like, the thorn in your flesh will serve to take you deeper and higher mm. so that you will always know that my grace is sufficient. Mm. And so there, I'm telling you, sometimes we think troubles are coming and we say, woe is me. But God is doing something so deep that it's hard to even put it into words sometimes. That's so good. Thank and you. Then, yeah. And then the eternal perspective had to come in. And I shared this with my sweet sister this week, Lisa. She blesses me ever so often. <laughs> and um, I was telling her, I was reading in Isaiah, where God is going to make everything right in the end. Everything's going to be made right. And in that last, chap last verse, I think it's of chapter 24, it said, even the moon and the sun will be confounded and will be ashamed to shine in the light of his glory, in the light of his glory. And we're part of all that, and we're going to live that way eternally. So this is just a, a speck That's in right. eternity, Amen. you know, like that thing you do on the ceiling once yep. in a while. And so we have to, you know, we have to wrap our minds around all of this. And so much of what you said today, I've been kind of living that out and learning it even deeper. Mm -hmm. So um, God is just, he's so good. He's, right. he's always there. He never leaves us nor forsakes mm -hmm. us. Amen. And the church is what he, he designed it for the very purposes that you shared with us today. Mm -hmm. Because we need each other. We need community. Right. I hadn't been able to come to church for the last two or three weeks to worship. And I said this one, I'm going regardless. I need fellowship. I need to see my family. And I've received 20 or 30 hugs coming oh, in. And, amen. And, I, and just amen. praise God. I, I, I love this place. I love this church. I love you all. And God loves all of us so dearly, so deeply, and so dearly. Thank We're in you, good man. hands. <laughs> That's rich stuff. This is why we need our senior saints, because there's such depth. When you hear someone like Ann share about how she still struggles with why these things happen, and it, it really it's a, it's an issue of you're you're embracing suffering in the right way. You know we don't we don't like say bring it on, but in, but God's word does say we are sanctified through suffering, and as we suffer and sometimes give up things, it's to show us that Jesus is more and more our life. That we don't live for circumstances going our way, but we live for Him as our life. I want to say that I appreciate you bringing this up because I'm also have challenges with two granddaughters that um, one is um, waiting on heart transplant 
and we pray for her daily and please keep her in prayer. Her name is Gracie. Mm. And the other one uh, had lost her mother last year. And some days I feel like that I can't reach them. And some days I feel like, you know, um, that I'm empty without them. But as you've said, the Lord's gonna see that that reunion is back with us and we'll be able to um, enjoy them. And, um, but continue praying for our children, yeah. all children. Thank you. They've got a long way to go in a really rough place right, right now. That's right. Thank why, you. That's why the church is so important, now more than ever. Now more than ever. I'll tell you another reason why I believe this vision we have for home groups is essential. I didn't share this in first service. Should persecution come, and we not be able to gather like this? I hope it doesn't happen. I'm just saying. Should it happen? then if we're connected in these home groups, we're more prepared to keep strong should persecution come and we not be able to gather like this. Anybody else? Worship team, go ahead and come on up. I just want to quickly say, um, just so, it's so important to obey the Lord and, um, and to give and tithe. And I've been praying over our finances and um, God sent us a $36 check of a rebate or insurance, and I was like, praise God, because we didn't even accept, we didn't even expect that. So mm. just how important it is to tithe, and just, if you can't tithe, you can give something. You can give a meal. You can, um, you know, if someone, you can call someone, you can give your time. So I yeah. just want to say that. That's good. I love the guy who said, he was asked once, he said, I can't afford to tithe. I said, you can't afford not to. <laughs> because when you tithe, and not that you give to get, it's not, you got to have good motives there, but he does promise blessing when you do. And so it unleashes his blessing when you obey. Just like baptism unleashed the blessing on the woman because she obeyed. All right, here and then Diana will have to be super brief. But, uh, uh, okay. So I have a question. I'm Canadian. I don't have a U.S. citizenship. All my kids and my husband are American citizens. But for personal reasons, I might not be able to, or, and my extended family is in different parts of Canada. I might have to live in Canada. I might return to Canada. And the family said they'd go with me, of course, you know, if I can't have citizenship here. But I don't know if anyone, if you know how the church is doing in Canada. It's not. It's really, like, what advice would you give yeah. someone who is facing going to a place where there's going not, to a place where there yeah. isn't going to be church there isn't going to be home yeah. groups and not only that but i mean it's a really loathed institution yeah so. easy, easy answer just like okay. somebody that moves to a city or a part of this country and i get this all the time college students graduate they move they get a job somewhere in this part of this country where it's desolate spiritually i mean it really is major on the decline i say you pray god will provide start a church in a home if it's up to you you start it you know, and we'll help you do it. We'll help you with what you need to start that church. So it may be a home church, but I guarantee you, if God will bring people to you. He will. You pray, you ask God, expose the body. Show me your people. And it's amazing what He will do. It may be just one or two, but also, man, you, you do investigation and you'll probably be surprised at what's already there that you didn't know. There'll probably already be a good Bible-believing church. It may be just 10 people, 20 people, 30 people. It doesn't matter the size. It matters the, the, the quality, not quantity. All right. Um, tell you what, before we do our final song, let me just go ahead and cover this real quick. College students, it is an incredible pleasure and joy to have you guys back. We love you. We are so excited that you are coming here. And so because of that, we have, I hope you got this flyer today. If not... See Rob. Rob, come on, go ahead and go over the table just so they see who you are. He's leading our college ministry team. But uh, we would like you after the service to head over to that table. We have a free gift for you. And if there's another flyer with information about the church, but also we want to make sure you have this, which gives you information on kind of some things in our college ministry, a lunch for you in two weeks, and then the rest of the church. We are desirous of having every college student who comes here be paired up with one person as a mentor. And that's on your time, your turf, 
So it's not a huge commitment. You just say, hey, once every two weeks or so, or once every three weeks, whatever works for you. I'll be willing to take one or two people and just meet with them, encourage them. You'll be amazed the impact you can have. These students, and I don't want to speak for them, but I think I can, they love mentors. They love older people that they can look up to. They're with college students all week, and they love that, but they also want more. They want examples. They want to be in homes. They want to see godly marriages. They want to be around kids and all the rest. And so you have a great opportunity to be mentors to them. So if you're interested in that, make sure you fill that out and give it to Rob or give it to me. Again, remember, this Wednesday night begins our Wednesday night classes. You saw the video earlier. You've got to sign up for that on the app so we know who's coming. And please be praying about these home groups because we are excited in the next few weeks to launch those. Let's stand together. I'd like our prayer team to take your spots, people on both sides. You have a need of any kind today. Get prayer. Believe God for His power to be poured out on your life. Just come up, share a need, get prayer real quick. Doesn't have to take long. Avail yourself. Maybe you see somebody in the audience. You say, hey, I'm going to go to them and ask them to pray for me. So if you have a need right now, you can begin to make your way to those on the prayer team. If there's anybody else that could be available on the prayer team, we could use more people today. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you that you're building your church. Jesus, your word says, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against her. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The church is built on Jesus. He's the rock of our faith. He's the cornerstone. We stand on him. We stand on the truth. And God, we just thank you and praise you today. It's your church. It's not my church. It's not the elders' church. This is your church. We just say, Lord, have your way. Do whatever you want here. Move me out of the way if you need to, Lord. Do whatever you need to do. It's all yours. We just praise you and thank you. We stand upon you. That you're our life. You're our source. You're our truth. You're our way. God, you're our everything. And Jesus, we praise you today that you are all sufficient. There is no need or challenge or struggle that is bigger than you. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, thank you. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I just, I really desire for the Holy Spirit to be more active in my life, even if it means signs and wonders, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you today. You say, I want all that God has for me. I want the Holy Spirit to fill me. And I would even be willing for that to include signs, wonders, and miracles for His glory. Father, I pray for those now raising their hand. I ask that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit will just be stirred up in their life. There'll be a greater sense of your presence, a greater sense of your leading, that you'll give them a greater awareness of your leading throughout the week. God, that we be your hands and feet to take the good news to other people. We pray for boldness. And for signs and wonders, the exact prayer they prayed in Acts 4, for the boldness to proclaim the good news and for signs and wonders to accompany for your glory.